you have people that are so elevated and matured in their careers and they have gotten there based off of a series of habits of behaviors of skills that they've learned you just need trust if you're going to be a culture where there is no trust, everything will crumble. Trust is just so important. When you're having an individualized approach to where, when, and how you're getting work done, you need to leave room for people to determine how they do work best effectively. If you were the best at something, you got promoted to be a manager and you were expected to teach other people how to do that. Doing that in an office environment is challenging enough. Doing that remotely where you can't necessarily control when you're communicating with people, how they're absorbing information, gets even more complex. Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Ginny Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. Hello and welcome to another episode and now a video episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your co-host on the West Coast where it is just gray and gray and gray outside. And on the East Coast is our amazing co-host, Dr. Virginia Bianco Mathis. Ginny, how are you today? I am good. I am good. Great day here on the East Coast too. So something's going on. All right, cool. Well, we've got our guest. Our guest is uh, on the definitely across the pond, but we won't tell her. We won't tell you where because I think she wants to not, not let anybody know. But here we go. According to Monster.com's 2023 Work Watch report, 30% of employers have changed their minds about adopting virtual hybrid work models. Ooh, boo, hiss. And 35% have gone full RTO. Return to the office, dragging workers back into the office. Does this really make sense? Well, today on the podcast, we are super. No, the answer is no. No, just they're spoiler alert. No. Well, today on the podcast, we are super, super excited to have one of the co authors to the just like just published book. See, I can do this on video. There it is. Remote works. Managing for freedom, flexibility, and focus. The ultimate playbook for managing remote teams. And I just want to plug, uh, I do teach leadership courses. This book is the best book out there, period, hands down, for new managers and experienced managers. You got to get this book. It's essential for managers. And I can't wait to learn more about it with Allie Green who's on a mission with her co-author, Tamara Sanderson, or Tam, to liberate teams from nine to five and teach them how to do their best work anytime, anywhere. I think that was just a good podcast right there. But no, there's more. Allie, <laughs> how, are, how are you today, Allie? I am doing very well. Thank you so much for having me. I think a worldwide phenomenon is that it's gray outside everywhere. Um, so I'm happy that Misery loves company, but we are here to have a fun conversation despite all of the rain. Yes, we yeah. are. We are. That's three talking heads. So Allie, Allie, uh, you didn't come new to distributed work. You spent over a decade in distributed workplaces. So we have to ask the question, has anything surprised you 
over the last three years where the rest of us entered this phenomenon called distributed workplaces? You would think that I would be prepared for everything, but I think what has been really interesting to watch unfold is that the companies that were willing to embrace anywhere work, remote work in some capacity before they were forced to had a very different mindset about what that could look like. And so what surprised me the most over the past couple of years is really companies sitting down and not asking themselves the right questions around how to operationalize remote work for them, for their culture, for their teammates, and also not realizing that what catapulted them into remote work was not an accurate reflection of remote work at its best. It wasn't allowing people to really get the benefits that the companies that have been doing it of their own choice for a long time have had the room, the space to experiment, to make mistakes, to really cultivate what this meant for them. And now we're in a situation today, what really, it surprises me and it doesn't surprise me because you know you have, you have to sell media, but that the media is sitting here now pitting two sides of people against each other. Even the word you used when you were introducing this, dragging people back to an office, it's employers versus employees instead of one company working towards a shared mission and goal and trying to figure out how to do that in the best work environment possible, even if that is no longer a workplace. Um, so those are all of the surprises that I've had the past couple of years. Yeah, that's, that's so well stated. And yes, we would love to, we would love to hear employers enticing, attracting, um, tempting, you know, provoking their workers to come back. Uh, but I don't see that too much. I see it very, very rarely. Can you tell us about your background, how you met your co-author, Tam Sanderson, and why you both decided you had to write this book? Yes. So uh, I love this story so much. Tam and I met when we were on a co-working trip in Cape Town, South Africa. And so how this all got set up is that um, we were both digital nomads at the time. I still am a digital nomad. I was working as the director of people for DuckDuckGo. She was at a fully remote company that's gotten a lot of amazing recognition. Uh, Automatic, for those of you who have heard of it, um, Matt Mullenweg wrote our foreword. Um, and we had two co-authors, or two, sorry, not co-authors, now I'm just thinking of ourselves. We had two co-workers that were married to each other. Um, so everyone talks about like, oh, remote workers are super isolated. There's no community. My coworker found out that I was going to Cape Town and probably like went home and talked about it with his wife and then was like, wait, this girl Tam is going to Cape Town. I think you're be both going to be working at the same co-working space. Like go have a coffee. You'll really hit it off. And so that's basically like our friend meet cute. We started off as good friends, just talking about concepts in the world, such as digital nomad life, community, swapping notes about how they do things at DuckDuckGo and Automatic. We led retreats with uh, each other and a group of people in Mexico and Serbia. And then during the pandemic, our friendly like catch up phone calls and Zoom calls and text messages turned eventually from uh, what are you learning to cook this week to can you believe how many companies are getting remote work wrong? And um, we had this really big fear and this like pit in our stomach that 
if companies failed at this force experiment, that they would drag people back to an office and then nobody would get to experience what it felt like to remote work in Cape Town or to get to plan their schedule around their life or to get to work with people in different countries and continents and cultures and just all of these really amazing personal and professional benefits that we felt we had because we worked for fully distributed companies. And we didn't want that to happen. And so we decided to write this book to help educate managers to be their best remote working selves so that their companies would succeed at remote work so that everybody could just live a better life. Have you, I just have to ask, has, has you bumped into managers in your trails, your treks, who've had the epiphany to say, oh gosh, yeah, I've read your book, I get it, or I had coffee with you, I get it, and I am I now understand how I need to shift my approach? It's been really interesting. Either people seem to get it right away, and they're craving tactical tips of how to make that work, and, and I love when I hear that. Um, I do have people, and, and this happens more in our in our workshops and our consulting, where we ask them, well, why do you want people to come back to the office? Or what is it important to you about proximity uh, that, that makes it important for you to feel like you're getting to know your team? And based off of how they answer those questions, um, because that's how we've always done things, or because that's my personal preference, that's when I think really interesting conversations can happen and you can start shift that shifting that mindset and we do talk about this in the book where we share people's personal stories about how they first got into remote work. Um, and then I think you realize it's not about your personal preference as a manager. It's about what's going to be best for your employees because it is your role to cultivate an effective team, not to do things the way that's easiest for you. And when you can make that mindset shift, I think you can really unlock a lot of curiosity. And that's been really fun to watch in conversations. Yeah. So you're starting, you're starting from the question, what's best for your employees, which is a, it's a very mature question. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's not, it's not the question that we were talking about business school, right? <laughs> business school is how do you make profits and how do you maximize profits? Yeah. And how do you maximize profits? Having happy, well, engaged employees. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, but, you know, we have three people, you know, preaching to the choir here. So, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be. This next, it's going to be difficult to find dissent. <laughs> but anyways, um, okay. So, so Ginny and I have a similar story. I mean, we, we, we've, we've actually never been in the same state as each other. And we were introduced. And then we just. I've been hanging out with each other every week. So it's kind of interesting what COVID did. So there is one thing in the, in the forward. So the forward, like you said, was written by Matt Mullenweg and he's the co-founder of WordPress and the CEO of automatic. And so he stated this and I just like jumped out of my chair and he said, he stated that he considers remote work, a moral imperative. Let's say it again, remote work. He, he considers a moral imperative. How do you feel about remote, remote work and why? Do you see it as a moral imperative? Yeah, it's definitely something that I agree with. I think anything outside of a remote flexible option, you need to be as bold to proactively announce 
your reasoning and address your limitations um, from a business standpoint, but also from the impact it's going to have on the lives of every person that you choose to employ. At this point, like it's 2023, we've been talking about the world becoming more interconnected for practically as long as I have been alive. Um, it's no longer the future. The world is interconnected. We're constantly learning from each other. We're constantly sharing information. Our economies rely on each other. And that is not a new thing. And so as we look at the job market, as we look at remote work and what that's going to look like, the benefits to any one individual are so personal, yet the benefits are so universal. There's global mm -hmm. mobility for people. There's an increased talent pool to find the right match, not necessarily the best person, but the best person for the specific job you're doing. Um, that is going to be amazing for companies, for teams, and for individuals. People get to really design now what's going on behind the scenes in terms of their health and wellness and not necessarily having to disclose and ask permission of these very like intimate and personal details to their employer in order to earn a living. And I think that level of like human dignity and respect is just necessary in the future. And if you can work around any sort of physical or mental disability and be amazing at your job, why would you not want that in the world that we live in? And so as you continue to pull out these, these stories and these examples, and I know mine is quite like fun and lighthearted and unique, like, oh, I'm a digital nomad. That's so exciting. We're clouding all of these other like serious stories about why this is such a life-changing experience for people and therefore great for business as well. Hey, we're taking a quick break to remind you to support our podcast by hitting the subscribe button and leaving us a review. Your feedback means the world to us and it helps us continue to bring you more engaging and thought-provoking content for leadership and remote work. I have a, a question for you when I think of I can almost put some of the leaders and managers that uh, Mitch and I have spoken to and deal with in different categories, right? And unfortunately, a majority are still of the mind, all right, here's what I used to be. Help me plug in um, uh, being remote, being virtual, right? No, you know, it's, it's a force fit into to what I used to be as opposed to this total transformation of thinking differently where um what are you finding are you finding that um you know we're probably always going to have those one foot in one foot out or more and more folks really seeing wow i gotta totally jump in no, I think. Yeah, I just want to I want to add because it, it was really that's that's the essential part of this question is um, you talk about in the book a remote state of mind, right? And so I think that's what we're all talking about. You know, what is that yeah. from? From and I guess we're really talking about what's the remote state of mind from a manager or an owner standpoint. Yeah, I don't think a remote state of mind is natural for everybody yet, uh, Virginia. To answer your question first, um, we are seeing a lot of people copy and paste what has worked for them 
hoping that it'll work for them in the future. And I think that's only natural. You have people that are so elevated and matured in their careers, and they have gotten there based off of a series of habits, of behaviors, of skills that they've learned. And now you're having people tell them what got you here is not going to get you there. That is so scary and vulnerable to be able to set back and say, yes, you're right. I can no longer rely on everything that I've done in the past to continue to be successful. I need to put myself in an area where I might feel discomfort. I might have to face some of my own professional weaknesses. I might have to learn new things for the first time in a long time. I can't just go in and be the best and be the expert in the room. And that's incredibly scary. So I I do think we need to give grace to people that are in that situation and are dealing with that either internal conflict or conflict within their organization of this push and pull of how are we navigating what people are calling the future of work and this tension between do we go back to our old habits because they worked for us or do we continue to push forward and re-innovate? And that's where, Mitchell, to answer your question, like the remote state of mind comes in because for me, it's this mindset shift that's slowly happening and it's happening faster for others. Um, of course, that that's always true when the world is going through major transformation. And it's a way of thinking that really embraces and allows you to do your best work remotely. And so taking it up from the micro nuances of details, such as how you communicate or how you build trust and relationships online. And I think, you know, you're a perfect example of that um, here today to really macro level questions, such as how do you create a company strategy and culture where every person individually decides where, when, and how they get their work done. Um, And to be able to wrap your head around how you tactically do that, um, you need to have thought-provoking conversations first. You need to break down barriers and brainstorm and, and talk about lots of innovative ideas that are unique to your business to decide we don't want that. And then you can say, okay, we're not going to be globally distributed. We're going to be distributed within these states. And these are the constraints. And this is why we made those constraints. And this is how it fits into our strategy, our goals, our intentions as a business. And it's only until you can get to that point and that level of description that even if you do decide you're going to be hybrid or you're going to be co-located or you're going to be remote in a certain time zone, um, I have a personal preference towards you know, team anywhere, like globally distributed, but not everybody needs to, as long as they've answered and they've gone through the remote state of mind questions. No, it it seems to me, having, having heard this, Ali, is those who are just going to snap back into, well, let's just do it the way it used to be. I guess one of the reasons to do that would just be to avoid all the uncomfortable conversations. You would, you would, you just wouldn't have to have them. You just say, Hey, everybody, um, it looks like COVID's over. Let's just go back to the office. Right. And yeah. we would miss out on, you know, a lot of depth. Whereas, whereas the, you know, the companies that I'm working with are, you know, let's sit down. Are we a virtual only company? What does that mean? Why are we doing it? Okay. And then now that we've made that decision, how are we going to have the best culture on the planet? And, you know, mm-hmm. I've worked with so many companies that they figured that out you know, and they've got really high engagement scores. And I think a lot of it is because they, you know, 
what I see is, I see it day after day after day. I saw um, one of the employees just move with her husband to Geronimo, Texas, and they got <laughs> chickens and cows. Uh-huh. And they're never leaving this company. They're so bought in because they were given that flexibility. What are what are the three non? This is in the book. I read the book this weekend. It's a great book. What are the, what are the three non-negotiables that make remote work actually work? Yeah. So we talked a lot about the first one already, and it's intentionality, embracing the fact that you're making decisions that are made in a well thought out way, you can answer that all important question, why for everything you're doing as a business, it's a non-negotiable. That that has to be the cornerstone before you move forward. From there, the two other non-negotiables come into place, which is you just need trust. If you're going to be a culture where there is no trust, everything will crumble. I think this is true in office environments as well. It's just easier to fake it. Um, Trust between this implicit and also explicit in some cases, literally in employment contracts, agreement that you're hiring someone for the intellect, the value, and the work that they're bringing forward in exchange for certain promises, like needs to be good enough. So these questions of how do I know if my employee is working or should I install this type of like, you know, system to check if they're doing this, like we're just getting so out of control in the why did you hire this person to begin with question um, that that I just I I can't even go there. I want to say like that's such a non-answer, but but trust is just such so important. And then finally is autonomy. Um, again, it goes back to that remote state of mind when you're having an individualized approach to where, when, and how you're getting work done, you need to leave room for people to determine how they do work best effectively. Um, when we're distributed, everybody becomes a manager over their own day, their workflow, their environment, and you need to let go and let them do that. That's beautiful. One question to piggyback on that is I have also found uh, if they're committed and -hmm. they've decided to be, that doesn't mean it happens overnight because of all that historical baggage that you mentioned and building in that generosity within the organization to let it, you know, the the notion of coaching, I think, becomes so paramount. Let people have the autonomy. But guess what? Some people may need some coaching. They never did that before. So the amazing um, uh, evolution that each leader, each person, as long as they're committed to, to get on that pathway, um, I'm just going back to the traditional manager. Well, I told him, right? Or I coached them, which was just another way of saying I told him. (laughs) You know, we need this whole other level of communicating with folks in such a genuine, trusting way. Yeah. And even managers, too. Managers need to learn what autonomy means to them. Managers historically knew that they would enter a building from nine to five everyone they needed to talk to would be in that building and they could manage. Um, 
they never had to learn themselves, how do I work best? Um, so the first step is trusting yourself that you have the ability to be an autonomous worker. Um, oh, good point. Trusting that if you make mistakes and if your employees make mistakes, that it's not going to mean this fear of like, oh, you make a mistake, we're sending you all back to the office, which I think there legitimately is that fear right now. There's no, there's no room to learn and experiment. And that to me is the bigger problem. Good point. Okay. This next question, this is, I started reading your book. As I've said to everyone, you have to read this book. This was the conversation that Jenny and I had when we first met. And it was that, you know, Jenny, I think that now with COVID and people working at home, managers have to have all these different roles. Like they have to manage culture. They have to manage strategy. They have to manage projects. And you spelled it out in your book. So <laughs> you shared... Um, you shared that we all need to become four types of managers. I think that's what you're saying. We need to be able to be people managers, project managers, culture managers, and strategy managers. So can you tell us more about what you were thinking there? Yeah, of course. Um, and it's not necessarily that one person has to be all of them. I think that right there can put a lot of stress and pressure on a person and, and might be unrealistic depending on the type of organization that you're operating in. It's that if you actually break down the responsibilities of a manager, historically we've looked at a manager as this complete package that encompass these four things, plus things like uh, approving time off and doing performance reviews and all of these very transactional tasks. Well, in remote, for one, you can automate a lot of the transactional tasks leaning on technology on uh, the same way that you would in terms of documentation. So PTO, paid time off can easily be implemented into a system based on a set of guidelines. The manager doesn't need to track that down. That allows them more space to grow into other roles. I also think that traditionally people have grown in their careers. If you were the best at something, you got promoted to be a manager and you were expected to teach other people how to do that. And doing that in an office environment is challenging enough. Doing that remotely where you can't necessarily control when you're communicating with people, how they're absorbing information, how you're teaching that information to them using all of these distributed systems gets even more complex. So these four ways of management and these roles you play, you could have one or you could have all four. And I think it's important to think about what makes sense in your organization, being that the people management side of things is really how are you offering feedback to someone, mentoring them, seeing them grow towards their career goals and setting them up for success in your organization. I think that's the most traditional viewpoint we have. A project manager being that more tactical, hands-on, are you someone who knows how to set milestones? Do you know how to think of contingency plans? Are you aware of what stakeholders are? I would argue in remote, everybody becomes a project manager, at least over their own day. So that right there, that that's a skill set nobody's learning right now. You don't enter a company and learn project management skills. Historically, project managers learned project management skills. Right, right. 
So I think that's a big shift. Culturally, you can't just rely on people ops and HR teams anymore to do this work. When you're remote, especially if you're spread out around different time zones, you need other people to show how the values, the culture is transformed into what I like to call standard operating behaviors, what behaviors are accepted in the organization, both informally and formally. What does that look like? How can you edit and update documentation that shows this? How do you provide kudos or recognition internally? And those are things that needs to be also now distributed responsibilities in the organization. And of course, strategic, like who are the people that are thinking about the team goals? What's the team going to achieve? How do you measure success if you're no longer measuring hours in an office? That's one of the most challenging problems to solve right now with remote work. And you need a manager who knows how to think in that strategic viewpoint. Yeah. I, and so, yes, it's certainly helpful if you become a people project culture and strategic manager um, in this, in this new world. Yeah. Completely different skill set. Okay. I just want to ask you before we go, how has, how have you done with the book so far? Yeah, it's been really fun and just like such a great experience to see people read it. And then like some of the points that were our intention for writing the book became the points that we were the most nervous about, became the points that people, uh, give us the most sort of like applause for. And so besides our intention of, of writing the book to promote remote work, to help leaders build these skill sets, in a very personal way, I've always felt that when I was reading a business book, I had to sit there and be very serious. And it almost felt sometimes like there's amazing lessons out there in the business world. I, I studied business in university. Um, I could soak up the knowledge all day, but I couldn't soak it up necessarily by reading a book. Um, I, I'm a lighthearted person. I, I love a good pun. Um, you can see a few of those in the book. And I, I sat back when, when Tam and I were writing this book and we were like, why is nobody talking to us as the future leaders of business in our own language? Can we make a book that is funny and lighthearted like you're having coffee with a friend that you respect at a company you respect that's giving you advice rather than being back in school, being taught how to do something and have the messages still land with people and have people still understand the value of those messages. And, and given the feedback that we've received so far, I would say that our goal there has been accomplished, but there was, there was a moment or two, especially where we have um, some quizzes around like, are you more of a band leader or are you more of like the, the music agent where we're like, is this going to land with people? Um, I might've taken a few, a few puns around uh, how you like to eat your eggs for breakfast a, a little bit too far. But right. in the end, I think it's really resonated with people and people can yes, see themselves in some so of the too. jokes. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So for sure. Dad and mom jokes in there. And you, yeah. went to, <laughs> you went to McGill. Is that right? I did. Yes. Are you Canadian? I'm not. No, I uh, I am right. American with an affinity wow. towards Canada. Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. Started yeah, my digital like, nomading very, very young. Very early. <laughs> yeah, no, because my dad, my dad went to Miguel, and it's a fine yeah. university. So, well, with that, where can we find you and Tam, and uh, where can we find your book? 
So our book is available on Amazon uh, globally. So head on over to your, your local amazon.com or CA uh, or whatever country that you're in. Um, remoteworksbook.com is our official website. And we do like to share a lot of content both on our website, but also personally connecting with people on LinkedIn. So you can connect with me Tam and our book all on LinkedIn and, and follow us there for more tips and messages and goals for the future of work. Great. Um, that's remoteworksbook.com. Allie, this has been truly inspirational. Again, I think we have three people right now who just want to just party together because we just see the world the same <laughs> way and uh, really appreciate that there, you know, we've seen a lot of remote books out there. This is, I think, one of the best. So thank you, Allie. Give our regards to Tam. Thank you, Ginny. Thank you to all of our listeners who come in uh, to learn so much about how to figure this remote thing out. So thank you. Please share this episode with your friends, your family, your colleagues, and we'll see you next time on the next episode of Team Anywhere. Before we sign off for today, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your support helps us grow, and by subscribing, you'll be the first to know when our exciting next episode is available.